We're going to continue in Isaiah 9 as we look through this very familiar passage, but making sure we know it, we understand it, we, we understand who Jesus is. And so I'm going to read Isaiah 9, uh, 2 through 6 or 7, and then we'll pray. Isaiah 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Please join me in prayer. Lord, your name is wonderful and wonderful to behold. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the magnitude of your majesty. It is the greatest privilege we have to be called your children. It is such an honor to come before your throne and an honor paid at the most precious cost and so we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for the access that he gives, the freedom, the life, the peace, the joy he gives. We thank you for your word, for truth. Lord, use your word like a sword this morning. Cut through, pierce us, teach us, strengthen us, transform us, Lord. May this continuation of our worship be pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've got wonderful counselor this week. And I want to look at both halves of that, just kind of like we did with Prince of Peace, like we did with Everlasting Father. You've got these dual titles. Um, and, and it's important to understand both sides of that and understanding the person of Jesus. And so the first thing we see is wonderful. And this word, this, this Hebrew word, pele, is, in a way, I think we've done it, actually, I don't think, or not in a way, I think we've really done it a disservice by how regularly we use wonderful for stuff that really isn't wonderful. Like, it's good, but it's not wonderful. You know what I mean? Like, I, I come over to your house and you make me a pie, and I'm like, wow, that's a really good, that was a wonderful pie. Was it really? Like, I mean, I'm not belittling your cooking. I have no doubt it was the best pie in the state of Ohio. But was it really something that inspires wonder? in my life because this word wonderful means beyond human comprehension like we can't even imagine the essence of something that is described as pele and it's not the first time in the old testament we see this word if you jump back to judges the birth of samson and an angel of the lord appears to samson's parents and in verse 17, Samson's father, Manoah, said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, so that when your words come true, we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? 
So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rocks to the Lord, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. And when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in, flame, up in the flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. The angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. This is wonder. This is wonderful. Kale and DeLich in their commentary talking about this passage and tying it to Isaiah 9, 6 say, Just as the angel of Jehovah, when asked by Manoah what was his name, replied, and he used the adjective form of the noun that we see here in Isaiah 9, 6, indicated thereby his divine nature, a nature incomprehensible to mortal man. So here the God-given ruler is also Peleh, a phenomenon lying altogether beyond human conception or natural occurrence. Not only is this or that wonderful in him, but he himself is throughout a wonder. And I think that's an element of Jesus that we overlook. I think we get used to the idea of Jesus, which is a great disservice to us. And we take it for granted that, yeah, Jesus came, he died so that I could have fellowship with him. And No, I mean, really, really stop and pause. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus desires personal fellowship with you. And this is the one who spoke the world into existence, who sustains it by his might. I mean, really consider that. If you're a Cleveland fan, I'll bet you 10 bucks you couldn't get the Browns to come hang out at your house this Sunday to watch the rest of the NFL games. Those are humans, right? We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the essence of wonder who is beyond human comprehension. Consider gods of other cultures. Consider the Egyptian gods what we know about them. Consider the Greek gods, the Roman gods, Norse mythology, the Nordic gods. What do we see in their behavior? We see pettiness. We see lying. We see cheating. We see deceit. We see manipulation. We see just petulant little brats in these beings that are held up as gods. Why? Because they're from human conception. And the human mind cannot conceive of anything other than our own fallen nature. So they wind up worshiping a slightly exalted version of themselves. What do we see in Jesus? We see wonder that is beyond human conception. And we cannot overlook that when we consider who is our Lord. Listen to these passages. This is Colossians 1, 15 through 20, and then chapter 2, 2 and 3. Speaking of Christ, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Your favorite ruler and authority of all time, the person who, man, they are the greatest leader this world has ever known. Yeah, they were created by Jesus for Jesus. There's no way they're a wonder compared to Jesus. 
and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That institution you love, the church, the bride of Christ, the most beautiful thing any of us can belong to and participate in and engage in is held together by Jesus. You remove Jesus and it crumbles. Your family, the foundation, the cornerstone, the rock of your life is held together by Jesus. You remove Jesus and the family crumbles. All things are held together by the one who is himself wonderful. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or in earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. Chapter 2. All right, I'll read verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Your favorite author, your favorite speaker, your favorite whoever, that you're like, man, this person gets it. They know, they understand. They are the biggest fool in the world compared to the one who is wonderful, in whom is hidden all things, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is wonderful. Do not skip over that detail of the Messiah. Consider Job 38 to 42. I'm not going to read six chapters. Don't worry. Or four, four chapters? I can't do math. However many chapters that is, we're not going to read all of them. Those are my favorite, maybe my favorite chapters in the Bible. I've said this before, I'll say it again. If you are not intimately familiar with Job 38 through 42, get yourself a gift this Christmas and just spend time in Job 38 to 42. And you see the wonder of God, the otherness that is beyond human conception. It's when Job questions God and God responds and he says, will I be questioned by you, immortal? He says, okay, Job, you tell me this. If you, a human, are such a big deal, were you there when the foundations of the earth were laid? Surely you're the one who stretched out the measuring staff and laid the cornerstones. Oh, I bet you're the one who holds the oceans of the world at bay. You place the stars in the sky by hand. You have trod the heavenly storehouses laden with hail and snow and lightning for the day of battle. That, that's you, Job, right? And Job's like, oh, this was a mistake. And God's like, no, 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 let's keep going. Let's really unpack this. Tell me, Job, are you the one who provides food for young lions? Did you raise up the mountains? Can you tell the mountain goat where to place its foot? Can you hold the Leviathan at bay with your power? And Job's response is, okay, Lord, I get it. You are wonderful. Read Job 38 through 42. Consider Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is wonderful. Your Lord, if you are a believer, your Lord is wonderful. Whatever difficulty, whatever trial, whatever tribulation, whatever obstacle is in your life that you can conceive of because it's in front of you, your Messiah is wonderful and is not fully conceivable in his power over that obstacle. Jesus is wonderful. That alone should fill the Christian's heart with such a joy every day that it pierces through the darkness of this world, knowing that we know and serve and are loved by a wonderful, the only wonderful God. This is how Jesus is described in Isaiah 9. It's incredible. Spend time. Make sure you know that in your hearts, in your minds, the wonder of Jesus. Because it's not just Jesus who is wonderful. What's it say? He says he's the wonderful counselor. Isaiah 28, 29. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. See, Jesus himself is wonderful. He is beyond human conception. And so is his counsel. If he is wonderful, his counsel is wonderful. And that word counsel, counselor, means someone to give guidance. So it's not just advice. Make no mistake, and I've said this before, that <laughs> like Jesus doesn't extend invitations when he says, hey, go and preach my name. That's not an invitation. That's not a, hey, if you feel like it, I invite you to do this. That's a mandate. That's guidance. That is the counselor saying, this is the path you are to go on. Go. So counselor isn't just someone who gives advice, you know, kind of take it or leave it. It's, no, this is someone who gives guidance. This is, you're looking for the path. Here's the path. Go on it. He is wonderful in his counsel. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Matthew 7, 28 through 29. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. These are crowds who would have grown up under these teachers, and they hear Jesus teaching, and they are in wonder at his instruction because it's different, because it's outside that of human reality. This is who Jesus is. This is what gives us trust and assurance in his word because he is the one who upholds everything, so his guidance is inherently perfect. He is wonderful counselor. And let's really look at counselor. I mean, consider this. John 12, 13, with God our wisdom and might, he has counsel and understanding. What did we look at last week? Prince of Peace, Sar Shalom. 
Sar Shalom, the one who is in authority over peace. Peace belongs to Jesus. So when he says, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Remember, I asked Joe if I could just give his car to Tim. And you all said no, because it's not mine to give. Peace is Jesus's to give, because he's Sar Shalom. John 12, 13, with God our wisdom and might, he has counsel and understanding. Why is Jesus the wonderful counselor? Why can he give wonderful counsel? Because it's his to give. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 1 Corinthians 1, 23 and 24, verse 30 as well. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is wonderful counselor. Wonderful counsel is his to give, and he is the only one who can give it. John Piper has a great quote about this. We will not simply say all truth is God's truth and let secular managers become our guides to success. We will say also all truth without God is not the truth God meant it to be. A truth stripped of God is not a whole truth and will not guide the church well. You could also say the Christian well. If we make God-neglecting truth our starting point, we will probably produce God-neglecting ministry. If we make God-neglecting truth a starting point in our own lives, we'll probably produce God-neglecting lives. Why? Because God is wonderful counsel. It's His. It's who He is. It's His to give. This is Jesus. So you remove it, and can we really be surprised when plans go astray or when the way seems you know, unknown, unsearchable? And make no mistake, this did not end when Jesus ascended. What did we look at with Prince of Peace? He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, in the same breath, in the same thought as he is saying, the Holy Spirit will indwell you. So just like last week, before you start to say, well, this just isn't available to me, right? We're talking about special counsel that only pastors and elders have access to. I just, I wish I had access to this counsel. You a believer? Yes? Then you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. If you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, this is the counsel you have access to. Consider these passages. John 14, 16 through 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Fun fact, helper can also be translated counselor. To be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. John 14, 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. 
Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So the question for the believer is not, do we have access to this truth? The question for the believer is, are we abiding in this truth? Are we listening to this truth? What does it say? John 14.26, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Ah, Sam, you don't understand. I'm just not a good student. I'm not a reader like you. I'm, I'm just, I'm incapable of understanding. So you're saying the Holy Spirit doesn't have power to teach you. Well, no, I would never say that. No, what you just said is that you're in, your lack of interest, your inability, maybe you are, maybe you are legitimately illiterate. And I don't say that lightly. Maybe you truly cannot read. Are you saying the Holy Spirit's incapable of teaching you through an audiobook? Through the audio version of the Bible? I mean, when we say, I just can't understand this, what we are actually saying is, I believe that my struggle with this is greater than the Holy Spirit's power to teach me. Are we really prepared to reduce the Holy Spirit to that? If the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us, who calls to mind all things, if He is the Spirit of truth, the wisdom of God who indwells in us, and I say, I just can't understand this, what's your view of the Holy Spirit? What's your view of the power of God to understand, to comprehend? Ephesians 3, 20-21, To Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine, according to His power at work within us. So before you say, I just can't understand, well, just imagine understanding. And God can do immeasurably more than that. So once again, the question is not, do we have access to this counsel, but are we abiding in the counsel and the counselor? Because that's the thing with counsel. We got to listen to it. I tell Adeline, hey, I've got to go down to Columbus. I've got a meeting with so-and-so. I'm going down. I'm not, you know, it's been a while since I've driven there. I don't know what to do. She says, oh, Joe Curry works in Columbus. Why don't you ask him? It's a great idea. Hey, Joe, I'm going down to Columbus tomorrow. Anything I should know? Joe replies back, oh, yeah, avoid this exit. Avoid these roads. There's major construction. It'll be a total snarl up. You'll waste half your day. Cool, thanks. I come back from Columbus. We're sitting around the dinner table. Adam's like, how was your day in Columbus? Terrible. Joe, I lost half my day sitting in traffic. Well, did he tell you there was construction? Yeah. Well, did you listen to him? No. It's Joe's fault. No, Sam. You had access to counsel. You received good counsel, and you chose to do nothing with it. Jesus is wonderful counselor. Let's take him up on that. I mean, this has been given to us as children of God, this, this right to come to him and to ask, to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. What a privilege, what a joy, what an opportunity. Why do we not want to abide in this with everything in us? Why are we not pursuing this with all of our energy? And if you're asking, if you're maybe considering, okay, that's great, how do we receive counsel from the Lord? A uh, sermon, October 10th. Yeah, you're going to have to do work on your own. It's on our website. We spent an entire sermon breaking down how do we receive counsel from the Lord. Go rewatch that. Quick hits, Holy Spirit, Scripture, the counsel of other godly people in our lives. We see all three of those in Scripture, abundant evidence. Go rewatch that if you're asking that question. But I don't want to just entirely gloss over it. I want to make sure we at least mention that and redirect. 
but you have this idea of Jesus as wonderful counselor, wonderful in his nature. Who he is is wonderful. Therefore, his counsel is wonderful. It transcends. It transforms. He is wonderful counselor. The question then is, are we abiding in it? Because make no mistake, we are listening to counsel in our everyday lives. The question is, are we listening to the right counselor? Before we automatically say yes, and again, remember, when we say counselor, we're saying someone who gives direction, who gives guidance, not a take it or leave it suggestion, but a this is true, Jesus, Jesus says, I am the truth. So when he says something, it is the truth. This isn't like, a, oh yeah, flip a coin and see if that works out. It's no, this is truth. This is what I say to you. Are we listening to the voice of the counselor? Jesus says, proclaim the gospel. Go into all the nations and preach the gospel. Acts 1.8, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Jesus says, Your power to witness, to evangelize, will come from the Holy Spirit. It's not dependent on you, so do it. And there's another voice that says, Well, not you. You're just, you're just really busy. You're just really distracted. You're not smart enough. You're not capable enough. You don't have all the answers. You're not good. At, there are other people who are better at this than you. So leave it up to them. That's just reserved for pastors. That's just reserved for elders. You have to be a Christian. You have to get your 10-year mark, and then you can evangelize. Insert whatever excuse you want to use. Which counselor are you listening to? Jesus says, do not neglect gathering together. Scripture, talking about the body of Christ, says, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. You are not part of this body on accident. God chose you and placed you to be a part of this family. There's another voice that says, the church doesn't need you. You don't need the church. That's no big deal. I mean, come on. Everybody misses it. Everybody, right? Like You, you listen to good podcasts, that's the same. Which counselor are you listening to? One voice says, hey, if you repent, I am faithful and just to forgive you. One voice says, those who are forgiven, those who are children of God, stand before the Lord justified. Who can bring a charge against them? You are free. Another voice says, hey, remember that terrible thing you did 17 years ago? Just dwell on that. Let it eat you up. Let it hold you back. Let it cripple relationships today. Because when it talks about forgiveness, man, you know what you did. God can't forgive that. Which counselor are you listening to? I mean, we have to ask ourselves if our day-to-day -day lives reflect individuals who are listening to the wonderful counselor. What's Jesus saying, John? I know my sheep and my sheep know me. They know my voice. When you get advice in a situation, are you able to recognize the voice of Jesus giving you wonderful counsel? Or are we paying attention to the other voices that drown it out? Not do we have access to this wonderful counsel. Not do we have access to this wonderful counselor. But are we abiding in it? 
We sang, go tell it on the mountain, and many voices called out amen. And we should. It's a beautiful song. I'm like this close to just financially bribing Matt to, to sing it throughout the year. I love saying amen to that song, but amen means, yes, let it be so in my life. So if you're going to call out amen to go tell it on the mountain, just putting it out there, you better be telling it on the mountain. What counselor are we listening to? Whose guidance are we taking? Because there is a beautiful, beautiful impact of this counsel. Consider these passages. Psalm 16, 7 through 11. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. The Lord gives me counsel, and the result is a life that cannot be shaken. The result is a life of joy. Why? Because he is abiding, the psalm writer is abiding in the counsel of the Lord. Verse 7, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. We say heart, you know what that literally translates to? Kidneys. My kidneys instruct me. When was the last time you took advice from your kidneys? Short of a kidney stone, probably not ever. You know what that phrase means, though? This is where you have to understand the language. That phrase, my kidneys instruct me, that was a phrase in that language. And what it means is the inner man, the inner being, who I am at my core, instructs me. The inner man in night, night in, 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 the, in this language was a way to talk about a dark time, a heavy time, a time of solitude, right? You're alone with your thoughts. Maybe you're literally alone. So night, in the hardest time, my inner man instructs me. And what is that instruction? Remember the counsel of the Lord. Abide in it. The result is security. The result is joy. Psalm 77, another beautiful passage looking at what are the results of the counsel of the Lord. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Diligent. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Selah. What an honest psalm. Asaph, he's writing this and he says, I'm troubled. I'm in the dark of night. I'm asking God, where are you? Have you forgotten me? Have you forgotten your goodness? Have you forgotten your faithfulness? God, it feels like you've abandoned me. What is going on? I mean, this is, this is as vulnerable as you can get. And what's he say? He says, I'm asking these questions so my soul, my spirit does a diligent search of what I know to be true. 
What's the result? Verse 10, Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? Your way that you guide me in, that you counsel me in. Your way is holy. What God is great. This is the answer to those questions that Asaph asked. That if we're being honest, maybe we've asked at times in our lives. Maybe we've been there crying out, God, we just buried a child. I didn't even get to meet them. Where are you? Lord, I just lost my sibling. Lord, I just lost my job right after my kid went to college. I can't afford for this education. I just got the test results back from the hospital. Lord, where are you? Why have you forgotten me? These are real questions. What's the response? I will meditate on the Lord. I will remember his counsel and I will know that his works are wonderful because he is wonderful and his way is holy. And this goes back to that earlier psalm we looked at. Therefore, my flesh dwells securely. Therefore, I have joy. Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the wonderful counsel is the answer we desperately need to life's hardest questions because the one who loves us most has the peace to give has the counsel to give because this is who he is psalm 73 24 you guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory that's really what we need to know that there's glory at the end of this. What Scripture says, it says, I don't consider the tribulations of this life to be anything because I have my eyes set on eternity. I know what's been promised to me as a child of God. So what's going to happen to me in this life that does not pale to the love of an everlasting Father? who is always at work to transform me to be like Jesus. This is the wonderful counsel of Scripture. This is the wonderful counsel from the wonderful counselor. Meditate on this. Learn this. Know this. Apply this. Because there's joy in this. There's joy in following the counsel from the wonderful counselor. This is who Jesus is. This is who he's always been. This is who Isaiah prophesied him to be. This is who he is today. And it is a blessing to walk in that counsel. So this week, as we consider these things, read Proverbs 8, Colossians 3, 
and Revelation 1, 4, and 5. Don't forget, we'll also have little cards by the door as you leave. Use it as a bookmark in your Bible. Scribble notes on it so it has all this information for you. And then as you read through this, you'll see wonderful. As you read these chapters, you will see the wonder of who Jesus is. So take time to pause and worship Jesus as you're reading these chapters to celebrate his wonder. But then also the application here is, okay, we'll learn to take the counsel. So identify in your life where you are most likely to listen to bad advice. Maybe it's about past sin. Maybe the enemy has you so convinced that you are unforgiven. And remember, repentance. There's got to be repentance. There's to be genuine heart repentance. But when that happens, what's it say? When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. So if you're listening to bad advice from the bad counselor, that you're unforgiven, that this is a burden holding you back, first ask, have I repented? If no, cool, you know what to do. If yes, well then listen to the wonderful counselor about what he says. Maybe it's the impact you can have at work. Maybe it's somebody that you've been afraid to open up to because the other counselor has been telling you, no, <laughs> are you kidding me? Look at you. You can't share the gospel. That's for somebody else. That's bad advice. Tell that voice to shut up. Listen to the wonderful counselor who says, no, my spirit will empower you to be my witness. Maybe it's a relationship that you're like, you know what, there's no hope for this. There's no repairing this. Wonderful counselor says, hey, you live at peace. So far as it depends on you, you live at peace. You respond with love. You respond with gentleness. Conduct yourself in such a way that those who would oppose you would be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about you. That's advice from the wonderful counselor. So identify in your life, where are you most likely to listen to bad advice? And then find a verse that's from the wonderful counselor that deals with that same issue. And then memorize that one. So that when it pops up and the other voice starts to tell you, hey, you know how to respond to this. Here's guidance. You say, no, 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 no. I know what the wonderful counselor says about this. I'm going to listen to that voice. I'm going to follow that counsel. I'm going to allow the wonderful counselor to direct me in life. And the prayer is simple. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the access to this. Thank you for the indwelling of this. Thank you for the love that is demonstrated in this. Teach me to abide in it. And again, connect. Reach out to someone else. I don't have anybody else's number in the church. One, I don't believe you. Saying that gently. But if you don't, then before you leave today, grab some random person who's roughly the same age as you or not and say, hey, give me your number so that I can call you in the middle of the week and be like, what are you learning? And you can ask me what I'm learning and we'll sharpen one another. Iron sharpening iron. Connect with each other. This cannot be a Sunday family. This must be a Sunday-to-Sunday -Sunday family. So let's pursue connection with one another as we learn, as we pursue this, as we seek to abide in Christ, the wonderful Counselor. But take joy, friends. Take heart that this is who Jesus is. He is wonderful. He is Counselor. And He is wonderful Counselor. Please join me in prayer. Oh, Lord. We praise you. We praise your name. That you are truth. That you give us this counsel. You have given us your word. It is alive. It is active. Father, may we treat it as such. Burden our hearts to seek your counsel, to seek your ways. 
Teach us how to abide in your truth. When we, when we start to get overwhelmed by this world, when we start to feel threatened by the trials in our lives, when we start to lose sight of eternity and perspective of who you are, remind us that you are Pele, that you are wonderful. Remind us of your majesty. Remind us of your holiness. And Lord, may the Spirit in us call to mind the things we know. May he lead us in remembrance so that we may follow your counsel and live in your joy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.